Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of our Reimagining Mobility podcast series. I'm here with Alvin Lutz. We are virtually this time because Alvin works in our California tech center uh, just south of L.A. He's a controls manager there with lots of experience in battery development, uh, BMS development, software and controls. And today we talk a little bit about air mobility. And uh, Alvin is one of the guys uh, from our technology team that worked on a variety of different batteries, including the one that just went up into the air recently. So we want to take this opportunity to talk about this a little bit. So, Alvin, thanks for joining me today. Maybe to start out with, I'm kind of going the opposite. Instead of starting out with what the commonality are, I want to start out with what are the biggest differences between when we develop a battery, both from a maybe mechanical side, but also from a control side, between something that goes up into the air and something that stays on the ground, either on two wheels, three, four, or multiple wheels. Yeah, thanks, uh, Stefan, for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, being out here in California, I can uh, see that you're you're having the shades down. And uh, anyway, <laughs> it's snow today. I don't today, want to rub Ken. it in. It's snow today. In. You know, so <laughs> exactly. So, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting question about the uh, kind of what is the challenge on the uh, automotive side, and now that we get into the aerospace side, uh, it's it's simplest that um, if you look at automotive, if you have a problem, you pull over, you stop, and things get taken care of. If you're in the air, there is no option to pull over, so you have to constantly from the beginning get into a mindset that uh, more or less failure is not an option in, in aerospace. Uh-huh. That's kind of the, uh, I think the biggest um, item that the entire team here had when we started in into that uh, area. We, we worked together with our customer. They were in the aerospace area. So we got a good understanding that they kind of guide us through there because they were more experienced in that. But nevertheless, we uh, set our best team members here on that project, on that uh, area to say, okay, we, we, we have failure is not an option. Uh, if, you, if you think about it, and I just had recently a conversation about systems engineering, how much more important is systems engineering than when you say just, a, just one basic big difference is, with a vehicle, I can put pull to the right side. With a plane, a helicopter, whatever it might be, I can't. So does that suddenly make systems engineering even more important, or is it still more important that uh, the design of the battery, for example, is is more critical now, or is it both of it? I guess. Yeah, the the, the system engineering aspect is uh, hugely important in the in the aerospace industry for sure. Uh, because you you kind of approach it from a component level to make uh, the um, safety of flight critical components uh, flight worthy, but then that is not really the whole ticket. You have to approach it from a system perspective, and that's something that um, as a supplier or technology partner in that area, you can do that alone by yourself. You have to work together with other system subsystem suppliers, and more so with the uh, airplane manufacturer that is really leading the charge because they have the full system mm-hmm. overview. Whereas we have 
a small sliver of that entire project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That kind of, yeah, system is definitely uh, a major part, more so in the aerospace industry than I can see in, in the in the automotive industry. And we got involved uh, in that also with this project that we had, uh, that we were bringing in our experience from the automotive system side, because we have done a lot of, uh, not just battery packs, but also prototype vehicles, full vehicle integration systems, where you have to um, understand the vehicle itself. And we brought that knowledge and that integration, that system knowledge also to the aerospace industry with those partners that we work together. So it uh -huh. was quite a... Um, exciting learning experience, but also a, uh, a good synergy between their experience and our experience in that area. Sure. Is, is for you and your team, maybe for both, you and your team both, is it, is it more exciting? Is it more, well, I'm a little scared to put something together that goes up in the air, or is it, is it really at the end of the day, really it comes down to a different challenge, but, you know, let's go to it, right? I mean, at Specifically at CETC over the years, we've come up with very cool technologies and really some cutting edge, never there before done type of products, integration, vehicle solutions, whatever it might be. But this is what this was definitely a step forward again into the air mobility, right? Is how was that from you guys? How was the team excited? How were you excited? Or how you were like, hmm, I'm not so sure about this. How, how did you guys take it? Uh, we were quite excited because it, it's a challenge. Uh, one of the things that we like here is a uh, challenge, something new. And uh, in the beginning, you, you start uh, working on, on the mechanization, on designing the battery pack based on what the customer thinks, what they want. We brought in our new technology with the cassette technology, uh -huh. which was new for them to understand. So there was an educational transfer of what we bring to the table versus what they expect, uh, which was very beneficial. But then as you progress in the development and in the day-to-day -day activity, the one thing that we definitely learned and appreciated very much uh, is the, the amount of detail and the amount of documentation, the amount of uh, um, collecting of data and organizing it so that is verifiable, that is presentable, because eventually you have to have all the data behind all of your development and testing uh -huh. to get to that uh, safety of flight, airworthiness uh, state. And that even for a prototype, in the automotive prototype world, it is not that critical that you have all of these detailed reports, all of these detailed uh, assessments of the failure. When we have a failure in during testing, um, we need to investigate and document and then later on document also the change that came out of it and how it got implemented not into that one piece because we have hundreds of pieces that get into the airplane. So for each individual, so documentation and uh, tracking that was a huge uh, learning for us as well. Okay, okay. How critical I know today in when we do passenger vehicles or heavy duty trucks or anything that's on the ground, let's say, simulation is becoming more and more of a criticality. And I know, for example, just alone a, 
let's call a usage or driving cycle, right? Or in this case, flying cycle is certainly considerably different from a, from a vehicle, even if it's a race car. Um, tell me a little about that. How, how important was simulation? How much did you guys uh, make use of simulation? Yeah, we, we did uh, have the challenge to do a lot of simulation because uh, one of the items is this is new technology and one of the critical parts is that uh, there are kind of two parts of the simulation. One is the, like you mentioned, the usage profile, the drive cycle, so to speak, the flight profile. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something we had to learn and understand and then actually get into our upfront simulation activities to see how does it respond thermally? How does the entire system respond uh, in terms of uh, accuracy of state of charge or any of that, which is different from a uh, vehicle where you have a certain amount of peak power and continuous power. So you're used on a vehicle that you do your wide open throttle to get your zero to 60 or zero to 100, and then you come back down to low power. Uh In the aerospace, it was really a continuous high power, medium power, high power. So a lot of simulation activities before we actually built anything was done in the uh, thermal side of things. And then the second aspect of the simulation that we had to do here is what I mentioned earlier uh, about you can't just pull over to the side of the road. The major requirement for aerospace here is uh, really what uh, inherently is uh, uh, an issue with any lithium-ion battery, which is thermal runaway. Uh-huh. So we did have our cassette design optimized from the get-go to really look at a single-cell or dual-cell uh, runaway of the cell without propagation. Now, what does that mean? Uh, in in normal automotive uh, production uh designs, you are preventing uh, thermal runaway with any type of method in the pack design, but nevertheless, you cannot oftentimes fully prevent it. And the design objective is really to prolong that event so that you have enough time, we're talking minutes, tens of minutes for the operator, the driver to get alerted and move out of there. Uh, for this application, we couldn't do that. We have to stop it. We basically have to stop the propagation. Mm-hmm. And in order to come up with the correct uh, design on the mechanical system, we did a lot of simulation. We did individual cell testing, took the learnings or and the data, the real data of the energy, the release of the energy over time, and how it then spreads within the cassette and spreads within the entire system to then do the simulation and optimize and change uh, materials. We change um, the construction of the units to come to a simulation result that gives us confidence that, yes, this will not spread. It will have two cells or three cells that are unusable. An entire cassette is unusable, but the entire uh, battery system is still fully functional with a minor degradation and the airplane can still fly. So that was that. And that followed up then afterwards with physical testing to actually validate that all the simulation activities are translating into real tests and and results. Mm -hmm. Mm 
So that kind of brings me to a topic we wanted to get to. What what does it take for, let's say, battery and battery systems to be even more applicable to airspace, right? Or, or again, mobility in the air, so to speak, planes, maybe even helicopters, who knows? Drones, certainly, as well. Is it the... Is it the power to weight ratio, the energy to weight ratio? Is it the ability to have cells, maybe solid state that are less um, um, swelling, less uh, susceptible to thermal runaway? Give me a little bit of insight on that one. Yeah, it's for a um, for an airplane more so than for a car. Uh, weight is everything. Uh, you have to have a energy storage system that is uh, as much reduced in weight because whatever you have uh, in weight, you cannot carry as cargo. Uh And who wants to have an airplane that flies uh, 500 or 400 miles and can carry one or two people? That's that's useless. So weight is the major criteria in order to get really that ratio between how much energy can you store for a given amount of weight that you have in there. Um, That's the main overlaying objective of of getting there. Um, The secondary, of course, is the safety and the reliability. And that is uh, somewhat related to the type of uh, cell technology, as you mentioned, that you can use at this given time. Uh, With current cell technology, you have the safety aspect of thermal runaway, and you have to protect for that. That means you have to do construction of your battery design to prevent it and not to prevent it, but to mitigate it to the point where you can arrest it. And that adds weight. So long-term, I can see that most predominantly will be to get the energy on a, on a, on a cell level up and to reduce the potential of safety because that automatically will reduce everything that's around the battery to minimize the weight. Talked a lot about safety. Let's maybe the last question here. How much different are you approaching the software as opposed for for air mobility as opposed to for ground mobility? Is there a difference or are you really using the same thing or are you putting additional safety mechanisms in? Now we have more redundancies. Tell me a little bit specifically about the software. Yeah, the the software development for the aerospace is is uh, very. Let's put it that way. It's it's very regulated in a way, and it's very strict to get the different disciplines organized. Similar, like in the automotive uh, production development, you have you have your recycling, you have your requirements definition, you have to have your uh, test cases and everything. But more so on on the uh, Um, aerospace area where you have all of the automotive requirements and then the strict uh, testing and also the documentation and control of the software for modification that has to be extremely strict. So any, any code change, no matter how small it is, cannot be just accomplished through internally. It also needs to be then uh, approved by the FAA later on uh, when it comes to safety. So there, there's a, another, it's not a kind of self-certification in a way. You really have to bring everything to a uh, 
agency that will then eventually approve your, your design and approve your software and also the modification thereafter. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, the actual software development, do you develop in C, MATLAB, Simulink, model-based, is very similar, but the entire process and the uh, quality assurance uh, around it is quite intensive. Mm. Okay. Alvin, thank you very much. And thanks for tuning in for our latest podcast. Again, thanks, Alvin Lutz, for the insight here on our air mobility adventures. And we're now getting more and more into it with our technologies and what you mentioned with what our uh, battery cassette technology was originally envisioned for. So this is the first step. And the next step is hopefully we're, we're taking this to space then. Thank you, Alvin. Yep, thank you. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.